0: Big news of the day was the meeting between the CCP and the U.S. in Anchorage, Alaska. Now the Sino-U.S. talks in Alaska got off to a rocky start, when the top diplomats of both countries traded sharp criticisms against each other and their policies. And this was all done in front of the cameras. There are many points to be talking about with this meeting. And first of all, the two-day meeting is between two first, very first high-level in-person talk from Beijing and Washington. And since Biden took office in January, this was the first chance, and it turned very disastrous on paper. And I totally agree. Now, the thing, though, is to consider there are points to still analyze about this meeting. And I say that with this tweet, I think summarize the overall reaction from everybody. It reads, Democrats spent the last two months banning Dr. Seuss, Pepe Le Pew, pronouns, words like mother and father, books on gender dysphoria, and Calling Black on Asian violence acts of white supremacy, and it took less than two hours for Chinese to bitch-slap the living daylights out of them. So, heading the U.S. delegation was the Secretary of State Antony Blinken and then also National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who was doesn't seem like was even there, while the Chinese side was represented by the Foreign Minister Wang Yi and senior foreign policy diplomat Yang Jiechi. Blinken's opening remarks consisted of bringing up China's terrible human rights records.
1: We'll also discuss
0: our deep concerns with actions by China, including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. That's why they're not merely internal matters and why we feel an obligation Uh, to raise these issues uh, here today. And what I found really funny was Yang Jiechi started his speech by listing all of Xi Jinping's dramatic achievements over the year, and basically just bragged about the Chinese performance in front of the U.S., and then that was all done on the U.S. soil. The typical few minutes of opening remarks by both sides ended up being a public blow-up before private meetings got underway. Reporters were called back later after Blinken showed he was genuinely shocked by the response from the Chinese side. Why? Because Yang Jiechi went on a 17-minute rant about the U.S. We believe that it is important for the United States to change its own image and to stop advancing its own democracy in the rest of the world. Many people within the United States actually have little confidence in the democracy of the United States. According to opinion polls, the leaders of China have the wide support of the Chinese people. The U.S. does not represent the world. It only represents the government of the United States. Now, following the heated exchanges, the senior administration officials of the United States issued a statement criticizing the Chinese side for violating the meeting's protocol and saying that there was an agreement from each of the four diplomats, they will limit their opening statement to about two minutes. Young ended up speaking for around 17 minutes. And first of all, this was all just a show in front of the camera, with both parties got what they wanted out of the camera fiasco, and then the readout meeting actually took place after. It looked like the U.S. side got slapped in the face multiple times, and it's fair to say so. The officials added, quote, the Chinese delegation seems to have arrived intent on grandstanding, focused on public theatrics and dramatics over substance. Ji Chang, a China expert, said on Twitter, Chang wrote, In the past, hashtag China's diplomats were cunning, pretending to be friendly and responsible. Now, however, they're arrogant beyond belief. Yang Zhechen in Alaska just dropped the masks to show Beijing's true ugly face. Okay, so that is the context of the meeting. We had the chinese diplomats who went way overboard with their meeting and with their statement but keep in mind this was just the opening remarks for the two-day dialogue and we knew going into this meeting that there was never going to be any peaceful like hug it out meeting but as we saw before the meeting the u.s had put out a list of sanctions on ccp officials that's sensitive while the chinese side decided to arrest american students So the two sides were never going to get ready to go under their negotiation, at least not in the public eyes in front of the camera. But apparently, sources did say that the CCP behind the closed doors are in a totally different manner. And they had three intentions in this meeting that they were trying to achieve with the U.S. side. The first one was to get the sanctions off of the Chinese and Hong Kong officials. The second was to restore the restrictions placed by the Trump administration on Chinese officials and students' visa, as well as restore the consulates in the respective countries, the one in Houston and the one in China. As well, it was also to set up a meeting between Xi and Biden. Also the important one, which is trying to walk back the Trump trade policies by establishing what they're calling meaningful framework in trade and economics. Now whether the US side agrees to it or not, that is up to them. So let's start with our points of discussion on this. So the first point of analysis is that this was all a show and an old method from the CCP's action, showing their supposed strength in front of the cameras, pretending they're in a position of authority to uphold the regime's absolute image. And this obviously turned out to be a very disrespectful way to the United States giving the reactions on Twitter as well as all of the U.S. media, especially when this was all said and done on U.S. soil. This obviously was disastrous for the current Biden foreign policy. In a short span of a week, he has been unsuccessful in getting Russia, North Korea, or China to cooperate or get them to have a meaningful, respectful discussion actually from neither of them. I think if it was Pompeo who was meeting them and say the Chinese minister started talking to his face for 20 minutes, yelling at him about how his country is bad, I'm sure Pompeo would just gotten up and left. There's no reason to continue a discussion like that knowing that it won't lead to anything meaningful and he was just sitting there and taking it. Now Pompeo tweeted this morning, saying this, Strength deters bad guys. Weakness begets war. In this, if the U.S. side was actually displaying strength as they claim, there wouldn't have been a discussion and international embarrassment like this one that took place in Alaska. Whereas Blinken, from his left political perspective, is trying to display this image of so-called peace and liberty and respect, that's actually a weakness exposed to the CCP. As well, if Biden keeps destroying domestic policies that were used to support a strong defense against the uh, against China, then the Biden administration won't have a fight against it in the coming years. Now the CCP has also been using another tactic that's quite regular in its deployment of defense. Now it's to deflect criticisms by pointing out flaws of others. Now the CCP is using the far left's own anti-American narratives against them. When the American side wants and I quote, rules-based order, the CCP tells them that the rule of law in America is being desecrated for partisan interest, and there is no moral high ground when everything in the U.S. right now, that's been what's been stood for, is now being torn down for politics. So the CCP does something like this, shielding their own criticisms away by pointing out other regimes' flaws. And the regime likes to defend its own actions and point out the wrongs of other countries first, as, as if it's to cancel out their criticism. What they like to say is that, why should you criticize me if you can't even handle your domestic affairs correctly? And this was one point the CCP raised that sort of choked up Blinken, and I wouldn't even mention Solomon at this point, as he was not even there. Missing. But Blinken was previously the Vice Secretary of State under Obama, So he probably should have known that this was not how the CCP wants to function in the way he approached it. So I was very surprised in him remaining quite calm. Now if Blinken hadn't realized it, he should, is that China has no rule-based order. There's no rules to play by. They operate on lies, control, and fear. And this is all but the first of many instances that the Biden administration will be experiencing when it comes to dealing with the CCP. So if they cannot actually establish a point of strength to start leveraging, they will fail to the deception lies and the international aggression that's been put on to fall to this type of so-called strength. Now, there's a term for what the CCP did during the meeting, and that's called Wolf Warrior Diplomacy. Now, this stemmed from a Chinese action film called Wolf Warrior Two. It was a ultra-patriotic film for the CCP, in which the main character is a Chinese soldier, and he's propped up like an American superhero with the expertise in saving the world. But it came into more popular use as a descriptor in 2019, when a senior Chinese diplomat named Zhao Lijian took to Twitter to feud with the foreign critics. And then soon, other Chinese diplomats followed suit, and often adopting his pugilistic tone. Zhao's Twitter antics indicates sort of a shift in how China has been engaging with the rest of the world. Last summer, for instance, China's Wang Yi warned that Czech Senate Speaker Milos Zatrsil will pay a heavy price for making an official trip to Taiwan, comments seen in Europe as a pointedly direct threat. Now, recently, comments from China's wolf warriors have played up the challenges facing democracies, particularly the United States. And so it was on Thursday in Alaska where this. Again, this wolf warrior behavior sort of went on full display. Now, the second point is that we know China has a foot in with Biden. And this was all just for show. Now, in front of the camera, they pretend to be wolf warriors. And behind the doors, China will get softer on their tones. And you best believe that is the case. So they show this apparent strength in front of the camera and that they can just go back and go home and let the state media broadcast all of their achievement and broadcast the propaganda to the Chinese people and fool them to show that the Chinese side did not cave into the pressure and stood up against the tyrants of the U.S. So what they said was if you want the U.S.-China relationship to improve, you need a change. But behind the scene, it might be different. The CCP is probably more willing to compromise behind the scenes. Because China recognizes that the Biden administration, which is now supported by the big corporations and big tech, both of those entities actually want to have a deal with China. So even if they're showing aggression on paper, behind the scenes, they're actually more willing to work closer with the Biden administration because they want to achieve economic deals. And we know that allegedly Biden has been receiving money from China, especially back in the days, and as well as Antony Blinken, to, for them to both now come out sort of shifting their stance on China, sort of ignoring the fact that Biden, as well as uh, Blinken himself, have both been allegedly receiving money from China, getting bribed by China, ignoring all of that and just start criticizing the CCP. You might say that the CCP reacted sort of poorly to what they said out of surprises, of course. But it also kind of makes sense because the dialogue was too much to begin with for the new administration. For example, right away to start discussing the U.S.-China relationships and criticizing its human rights records, but then potentially when both parties know that China has a lot of dirt on Biden. That's why the CCP is telling Blinken that he can't speak to China from that position of strength that Blinken claims to be. So you can sort of see it as China ignoring Biden's pretenses. Now, on the other side, though Biden's administration is trying to distance themselves from China, they're trying to maintain their independence from China. It just doesn't look good when the Chinese government essentially, quote unquote, owns the Biden administration and then shows it and dictates what they're doing. Now, obviously, we know that they're going to be very close, but it doesn't help for the image of the United States to have that situation, to have other people see that they have a foot in with the Chinese Communist Party. Still, after the Thursday meeting, Foreign Minister Wang Yi had signaled this with his, after the interview. He said that the meeting was rather successful. So he wouldn't have said something like this if they had continued to be aggressive behind the doors. So you can definitely tell that what they put on in front of the cameras and behind closed doors, two different perspectives. Now the third point is that a lot of people think the reason why Yang Jiechi was so mad and aggressive and then he started talking for 20 minutes nonstop was in a response to the reaction to what Anthony Blinken had said, but I actually think the reason he did it, it was almost pre-planned and scripted. In fact, I think it points to a direction from the higher-ups of the CCP to suggest that he would come in sort of already prepared to be aggressive. And this is done because I think Xi Jinping wants to test the side of Biden to see how they would react to the continued aggression and advancement from the CCP. And this is an indication because previously we know Biden, who has been really showing a lot of soft spots and a lot of very indirect making excuses to talk about China, especially when it comes to covering for China's human rights records. So this way, Xi Jinping wants to, again, test how much pressure can China actually put out onto the side of the United States and how much the United States have to cave to the CCP's action. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for a foreign diplomat for the CCP to start showing very aggressive behaviors right off the bat. And in most cases, the diplomat wouldn't be showing the performance to to this level, say for for the sake of the Chinese leadership, just so to display a foreign strength, unless he's actually instructed to do so. So I think this was already a pre-planned, almost a script to show as much aggression as possible. And just to get the reaction from the Biden administration. And we can tell that Blinken and Sullivan were both taken back by the responses from the Chinese side, as they were both met with a lot of resistance to their criticisms of the CCP's actions. But they also maybe felt that they needed to bring back the reporters just because of this case. And so all of this was to be seen on the live television. And you can tell a lot of this was for show again, too, because on the Chinese state media, CCTV, it actually claimed on the waiver post that China brought commitments and sincerity to be invited to the meeting, and then they proceeded to lie about how the American side started their opening statement and severely went over time, which is not true, and directly attacked domestic policies of China. But we know that's not the case, since it was the Chinese diplomats who went on about 20 minutes talking back to the U.S. side, which was originally promised by both sides to have just a limit of two minutes for their opening statements. And that turned into the Chinese side basically ranting for 17 minutes. And apparently, according to Radio Free Asia, during the 17-minute remarks by by Yang Jiechi, he didn't allow translation. So he just set the entire thing, and then he let the translator after speak to the American side. So altogether, this was way over half an hour, which was way longer than it originally promised. That is why Anthony Blinken had required the reporters to come in again, so he can add to his points. Now the fourth point was that, although it seemed like Anthony Blinken was very weak in his first meeting, I hope he continues, to, at least as of now, to follow what Pompeo sort of set out with the guidelines on paper so that the U.S. Po- foreign policy will still follow a strong approach to China at least he mentioned the human rights abuses. That's a start. And at the end of the meeting, Blinken said this to China. He said, it's never good to bet against America. In response to the meeting, multiple congressional members responded, including Senator Lindsey Graham, who said the following. What I
1: want Communist China to understand is that the Congress is an equal branch of the government uh, with with the presidency. And there's bipartisan support wide and deep push pushback against Communist Chinese abuses uh, regarding the Uyghurs. I believe that sanctions are on the way when it comes to the human rights abuses of the Communist Chinese party and that we will stand with Taiwan and we'll keep pushing for uh, democracy in Hong Kong. So what the Chinese Communist party doesn't understand is that there are real checks and balances in America. And while there's division in America, which is real, There's unity around the concept that the Chinese Communist Party is one of the world's bad actors. And as President Bush famously said after 9-11, the people who knocked down these buildings will hear from us all soon. He didn't say me, President Bush, he said all of us. So the Communist Chinese Party is gonna hear from all of America through the Congress, working with the Biden administration to push back forcefully in the area of sanctions and we will stand with taiwan and no matter what is happening
0: at home american people should still be rallying behind the goal to end communism worldwide and there is never place for the ccp to speak against the united states unless they actually reform and this communist government is actually dissolved now, Blinken definitely got a lot of slaps in the face by the Chinese diplomat, that's for sure. And he, he should now, at this point, realize that this is not how he should be treating and approaching the foreign policy with China as he sees it now that they don't play by the rules. What he should be doing now is either become Pompeo 2.0 or maybe try to continue Obama's policy, which I guess Obama 2.0, and see how that works out. Because from my rec- the records we've seen so far, It seems appeasement and compromise doesn't really work with the CCP as it only supports their growth. With the CCP, there's no soft approach. But there's one reason I think that Blinken seems to have been quiet or been more composed. And there's no reason to act aggressive in a diplomatic meeting. As you have to remember, the trade war with the policies in place as well as the leverage that the US currently has the ball is still in the court of the U.S. to actually do anything. So it's the Chinese has to come in and beg for the loosening the sanctions and all the restrictions and stuff. So as of now, those Trump administration policies haven't yet been lifted. So the leadership here is still with the U.S. And that is, might be why, Blinken is so willing to sort of sit there and quietly just take it from the CCP. Because he knows that no matter what happens the us still has the higher ground and when it came to mike pompeo the reason why he was so hated by the ccp and you can tell that what he indicated was he was doing correctly something that was correct that sort of target the ccp's sensitive spots if the ccp wants to act like thugs pompeo would deal with them like thugs and he doesn't try to act like a compassionate caregiver he doesn't try to cave into the Chinese demands. He upholds American traditions and upholds the values of freedom, because with Pompeo, there's no compromise with China. So if Blinken wants to actually leverage points from a point of strength, then he needs to study what Pompeo did. Otherwise, the next meeting between them will still come out in public, at least with the CCP slapping their face again. Now, Blinken continues to show this weakness by showing compassion, That will only further expose the incompetence of the Biden foreign policy. And another problem is, right now, with this, there's like a dream about how the CCP is something that can be approached with just their compassionate, progressive rules. But that's not the case. As Anthony Blinken tweeted on Friday, exactly one year ago, he says, Dealing with China is about the strength of our competitiveness, our partnerships, our values, our democracy everything that President Trump has undermined and Joe Biden will build back better, that tweet, now it seems like it backfired on him with everything that has been done. And so I guess his original intention and his approach is not working out for him, at least in front of the cameras. Again, what goes on behind the scenes, we don't actually know because we don't know as China likes to tend to sort of tone down their, their, their approach when behind the doors just so they can get something. Now since we know China doesn't play by the rules, because in order for them to actually establish competitiveness, as well as we have to recognize that you can't have two winners. What you need is you have to have the U.S. come out on top. Just as the trade war, I think with the Trump administration, they recognize that the one that has to be the winner has to be the U.S. Because Trump recognizes that if the U.S. doesn't win, the world loses. Because Trump also had a strong backup too and that was the military competition. And he was willing to show that if they don't agree with his deals, there's a chance that he could just flip the table. Whether that's actually starting a war or not, that's a different story, but he was prepared. The thing was, if America isn't first, then that means the CCP gets the authority to establish his communist agendas across the globe. And in order to manage the CCP's aggression, Again, it goes back to leaving space for China. The more space you leave for China, China doesn't respect that space. It just keeps advancing and it keeps taking it from you. So this ruthlessness that's going across the globe, how do you stop it? You can't keep compromising and keep appeasing to their needs. So what can we expect from the aftermath of the meeting? Well, it depends on how much on this day today as we record, what their real dialogues will be. And it also depends on how much real strength can the American side show, because otherwise, to me right now, and to a lot of people too, it seems the Biden administration is going to keep allowing the CCP to do whatever they want. And as I mentioned before in previous episodes, the CCP is always testing Biden's limit on how much they will endure in what the CCP has been doing. And it shows you that, for one, in indicates most likely for the next two years, for example, when it comes to Taiwan, there's a huge chance that Biden won't actually do anything about the invasion of Taiwan. When it comes to more human rights violations in Hong Kong, even if Blinken keeps saying it verbally, will they actually do anything about it? When it comes to Tibet and Xinjiang, that's the same thing. Will they actually get anything done about it? And when it comes to the CCP's foreign influence and as well as its foreign espionage, especially when it comes to the United States, will the United States actually do anything about it? And that is it for tonight. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode. Thanks again for your continued support of Beyond the Noise. Have a wonderful Friday night. Take care.